Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, ready to uh, wrap up season five here? Joey. Michael. I am. Um, We got some playoff news. We got some me getting married in nine days news by the time this is released so yeah. we got we got some stuff going on your sister just got married she she did she did i officially have a brother-in-law um yeah i was gonna say this is uh this is our final episode with you as a single bachelor boy so uh buckle your seat buckle your seat belts folks because mike's got some takes he's got to fire off here before getting married right mike before, get, before getting locked down i got some takes <laughs> Before somebody else is like legally responsible for your comments. That's right. That, that's that's correct. Good. One Good. one decade one decade with Caitlin wasn't enough. We got to officially lock it. <laughs> well, as mentioned, this is what we're calling our season five finale. Basically, a- after this episode, everything that we do will be focused on getting started for season six. So, getting started with the the, the fall football season. So. Um, this is our last effective like off-season episode before we go into the preseason. Is basically what we're saying. And Mike, as you mentioned, the the big news that has happened since we last recorded a few weeks ago, the the thing that we need to discuss is it looks like there are significant changes on the horizon to the college football playoff. Yep, we need. Hey, we needed expansion. We needed it. I I would agree with that. Let's let's start here slash there, uh, Mike. When you when you you know, six months ago, if we had talked about this and I said, should the college football playoff expand, what would your answer have been? Yes. The answer would have been yes. And, and if you had seen, if you had designed your own college football playoff expansion, what would your recommendation have been? Eight teams. Okay. Five power, you know, the power five champs, three at large. Okay. Uh, I, I would have been mostly the same thing. I would have reserved a spot for the top G5 champion. Yep. Yeah, yeah, fair. I, yep. I think I've explained it on this podcast before, but like it, it really inherently deep down bothers me that the way that we've been playing this sport recently is that, you know, half the teams show up to fall camp and are mathematically eliminated from winning the national title. Like, yep. the, 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 there is nothing at all that they could do within their power to win a national title. That bugs me. The system was broken. I mean, yeah. it was. I mean, we had we had teams. I mean, everybody makes the joke about UCF. What was it three or four years ago when they crowned themselves national champions? Had the parade kind of mean, had the yeah. parade through uh, what was the Magic Kingdom there on College yeah. Game Day or some yeah. nonsense? Like that was Disney. That yeah, was hilarious, by the way. But Disney, you know, uh, yeah, just marching through Disney. Um, <laughs> and it was kind of a meme, but it also kind of wasn't. Like they were really good, and mm-hmm. they didn't even really get a shot to even 
show themselves in a playoff. And that's the problem. Like we get to October and, you know, you're six or seven weeks into the year and it's supposed to be really exciting stuff. And you have teams and fan bases that just totally tune it out. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why 12 can be a good thing. It's an access thing, right? You're not mathematically eliminated by one game. Um, And a lot of people are saying, okay, well, does this kind of negate the impact of games on a week to week basis in the regular season? I mean, I think in a way it does for like one singular big time matchup. But then when you think about it from a seeding standpoint and the fact that you're still going to be playing meaningful games late October, early to mid November, you lose a game early in the year. You're not mathematically eliminated from the playoff, Mm -hmm. you know, before the season even begins, you're not mathematically eliminated from a playoff. You know, you mentioned Joey, the fact that teams aren't able to really even have a shot to, to get in and win the national title, you know, before games are even kicked off, you know, you're referring to the group of five, you know, you're referring to these teams that have never really had that chance. And now they're going to have that opportunity um, because we frequently see multiple group of five teams in the top 15. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have a chance to get into the top 12. You're going to see at least one to two group of five teams in this format, make their way into the college football playoff. That part of it's really exciting. Yep. Yeah, I I agree. Like it's, I mean, in recent years, how many times have we seen teams like you said UCF or Houston or Memphis or Cincinnati or Boise State or Coastal Carolina or, you know, take your pick of these these teams. BYU. And and you know, frankly, let's let's just be really honest with each other here. Let's say Coastal Carolina makes an eight team playoff last year or a twelve team playoff last year. Are the Shants winning a national title? Nope. No. No, they're not. But that's in the same way that the University of Maryland, Baltimore County Retrievers are not winning the NCAA tournament, but maybe they show up and beat Virginia once in a while. Who knows? Right. Shout out to the Hoos. Right. I, you know, the, like Get these things shot. can happen. And, and that's the other interesting thing, I think, about this discussion is – you, there's kind of two ways of looking at the playoff and it's, it's one is, can we find the very best team? And if, if that's the goal, you don't need to expand it. Like there, I don't think during the playoff era, there's ever been a question of more than like three teams, which one was the best. Right. Like it's been pretty clear every year we've had the playoff. The best team in the country was clearly in the playoff. Anybody that wasn't in the playoff was not the best team. Like, Full stop, right? We haven't had a situation since the inception of the college football playoff where the best team in the country has not been in. Um, I think a lot of people felt a few years ago that Alabama was playing the best late in the year and they didn't get in. You'll remember, Joey. And a lot of people were saying, well, they should have been in the playoff because they're the best team in the country. Well, they lost a few games and they got penalized for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you, it doesn't matter what time of year you're playing your best football. It should be over the course of the entire year. I think that programs will be rewarded just as much in the month of September as they will be in the month of November with this format. It's no longer going to be, okay, you lost in September, but you won 11 straight. Okay, you're in. It's going to be, okay, you dropped the game in October. It's okay. You still have a chance, right? Yeah. And, and I think that 
you know, the emphasis on when you lost isn't going to matter quite as much. There will still be some of that, right? There'll be the conference championship weekend. There will be, you know, a late season. If you're a one loss team, you know, fringe top 10 team that loses a late season game, that's still going to matter a lot. That could knock you out of the playoff contention. There's still going to be that intrigue, but I think we're going to take away the timing aspect of it where I lose a game in September. I can win 11 straight versus the team that won 11 straight and lost one at the end of the year. And that's the last, you know, lasting impact, Mm -hmm. the last opportunity that the committee saw of you, you know, there is some bias there inherently by the committee when they see some of these teams. So I think you're kind of taking away that aspect of it with the timing of the losses a bit. Um, And you're still going to have it with conference championships and stuff like that, but it's going to be less impactful, I think now, which honestly I think is a good thing. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. And first of all, before we keep going, well, we are going to talk about this specifically as it relates to the ACC, but kind of want to yeah. hit on it at a higher level, you know, from a college football standpoint in general here first. Um, I was going to say, you know, Mike, I, and, and we talked about, and, and I agree that, again, I thought the eight-team model, five power five champions, best group of five champion, two at-larges, I thought that was probably the most, the, the best, like most compact option. But I, I do see some value as well in this 12-team proposal now that I've had time to sit back and kind of digest and think about it. And really the idea in my mind is that if, if the idea is that you're going to start with the 5-12 game, the 6-11 game, the 7-10, and the 8-9, like what are the odds that one of those eight teams goes and wins a national title? Not good. Maybe almost nothing, right? But that's fine. But what are the odds that that 12 team beats the five team? What are the odds that the 11 team beats the six team? What are the odds that those are all just a bunch of blowout games? I think Lower. That, I think that sets up a lot of really good football to be played. Yeah, which really is all you want towards the end of the year anyway. You want to see good football. Yeah. Um, re- remember last year in the COVID situation, we had that Coastal Carolina BYU game kind of come together out of nowhere. And it was one of the best college football games of the season. It came to absolute banger. And you're going to have situations like that in the playoff where you're going to see some exciting matchups. And we're all sitting there and Joey, I remember you and I texting there, I guess it was late November, early December when BYU played coastal and you and I were like, Oh my God, this game's incredible. And it was just back and forth. There was a million points. There was a goal line stand at the end. I mean, it was unbelievable football. You are going to get those matchups in this format. Brigham Young University against Coastal Carolina University had us all like on the edge of our seats. Like that's that's the power of college football in a lot of ways, right? So I, I'm I'm with you, and and it's it's the idea basically that those four teams, you know, that lead the country, that are the four best, they probably are the best. But I think the way that I've kind of thought about it a little bit is, okay, well, in recent years, the four best teams make the playoff. The next, what, eight best teams or so will play in the New Year's Six games. And then you have a bunch of opt-outs. You have a bunch of, well, we should have made the playoff and now we don't care games. And, like, there's just a lot of lost luster on those games. But I think now that you – if all you're doing is putting stakes on the game. And that's enough – to, to make them meaningful, to make them exciting uh, and, and good to watch. And so from that aspect, I think I'm definitely excited about that aspect of thinking that, well, you know, we can have really meaningful, exciting, high-level football played 
And there's good reason to think that it won't just be blowout after blowout in the way that we've seen in the semifinals the last few years. Well, yeah, and I think, again, with the college football playoff, with the four teams, we knew that there were, in most, in most years with this current format, the four-team format, we knew who the top two or three teams in the country were, to your point earlier, right? Mm-hmm. We knew which team was going to likely be in the national championship or win it, right? It was either Clemson or Alabama year over year. Um, we knew that. This format doesn't affect that, right? That's a really important thing. This format doesn't affect that. Um, you're, the best team is still going to win the national championship. Alabama, if they're, if they're running out, you know, Mac Jones and Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle type guys, which they will be as long as Nick Saban's the coach, they're going to have a great chance to win the title. As long as Clemson is recruiting some of the top quarterbacks in the country and they have a Travis Etienne type running back in the backfield and a, and a great defense by Venables, they're going to be in the mix every year. This format doesn't change that. But to your point, what this does, this format change, and if this would have happened with either eight or 12 teams, is you are going to get those intriguing matchups. You are going to have less opt-outs. I mean, what you're seeing now recently is you're seeing guys, especially in the COVID year, so throw that aside. What you were seeing in recent years was guys would opt out to avoid major injury in a bowl game, especially if they were a top prospect in the upcoming NFL draft, right? You're seeing less of the Jalen Smith at Notre Dame against Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl situations where you're tearing your knee up and you're supposed to be a top 10 pick you end up in the back half of the first round or second round or whatever. And that's, Guys don't want that to happen to them. That, that's a situation you would have felt so much more okay with if that game meant anything. Right. Like, if that's a Fiesta Bowl that's you know dictating that you're going to go to a semifinal, then you live with that. Yeah, you, you feel good that Jalen Smith was playing in that game and, and was putting himself on the line, right? And it sucks that that happens to him. And it really, really sucks the 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 implications of the amount of money that it's going to cost him, but you can justify, well, you know, he was there with his team and they were trying to win a national title. Instead, you look at that and it's like, he was playing in that game because ESPN needed some inventory at four o'clock on new year's Eve. And now he, you know, he would have been a guaranteed top five pick. And, you know, so that anyways, that part always, yeah, it kind of bugged me, and it and and I I I get it why players would want to opt out of these bowl games and such is yep. there yep. is nothing to gain, there's everything to lose kind of thing yep. in, in most situations. So, yep, um, I, I was going to add this too, Mike. The the one other aspect that we kind of haven't really hit on with this is the idea that these you know five twelve six eleven et cetera games, those would all be happening on campus. Yeah, and I think that's a super cool element of this too. Is that you've got four more games that are, like again, top twelve teams playing each other on college campuses, deep into December or whatever. I mean, it's it's going to be cold and snowy, and there's elements and all that. That's fine, but but more just again getting getting the home crowd involved in some of these games where we've gotten so used to playing bowl games in giant NFL stadiums in random parts right. of the country that people would have to travel to and all that. Being able to play these games on your home turf that means so much, gosh, some of the environments that are going to pop up are going to be incredible. Wild. Yeah, they're going to be wild. I Imagine Virginia Tech playing a game like this, like two days before New Year's Eve or whatever. Like, Lane Stadium will be nuts. It will be nuts, yeah. I, 
I'm so, so, I'm weird. I like bowl games. That is weird. I like bowl games. I don't mind I, I just bowl think games. that's what separates, well, I mean, that's what separates the um, the FBS from the FCS, <laughs> literally football bowl <laughs> subdivision, I guess, right? It has a lot of an FCS feel to it when you're playing home games in December. With that being said, I think the fact that they're still going to have the big time bowl games on that stage, you're still going to have other bowl games for teams outside of the top 15. You're still going to have the element of bowl season. It's fine. How often do, I mean, you and I are, you know, college football is a drug to us. So you and I are watching, you know, early December bowl games. That's and just kind of what we. testing positive. Man. Yes. <laughs> I popped up positive and I'm losing my job. Um, yeah, you and I watch early December bowl games because we're sick, demented human beings with, you know, we're watching bowl games between a five-win academic, you know, progress rate team making the making a bowl game because we don't have enough bowl teams. We're, we're doing that. Um, but really, the bowl games we care about are the New Year's Day bowls, you know. Um, you know, the fact that you're going to have some late December bowls that are competitive with top 25 teams like that's really all you and i care about at the end of the day anyway and they're still gonna have those mm-hmm. so it's all good I'm, yeah. I'm good with it i'm just i'm odd i'm an odd bird shoot that gildan new mexico underpants bowl into my blood mike just right just shoot it straight in san diego county credit union point set a bowl i i live for that i live for it uh yeah nobody uh nobody quote me on that I, please please don't fun to bet on um Mike, let's talk about how this relates to the ACC. So in the, in the era of the playoff, going back to the very first playoff, the ACC has only ever had one team in the playoff, with the exception of this most recent year when technically Notre Dame was an ACC team and also in the playoff. A bit of an outlier for multiple reasons, but it was Florida State the first year. It's been Clemson ever since. If, if we start the playoff this year with 12 teams – I think I think the obvious assumption is that a lot of those extra teams are now SEC and Big Ten teams. But, I, I mean, realistically, should we expect that the ACC is taking up at least one of those at-large spots on an annual basis? I mean, yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm thinking about it in my head, and the obvious one is Miami like you're recruiting five-star kids you got to take that step right like you got to take that step to be in the mix and at least be one of the top 12 teams in the country um the only other team i can think of is north carolina but really they're recruiting well and they should they should be there soon i mean there are some early season win totals have over under 10 which i'm going to take the under on we've had that conversation on i think even just the last podcast um just because of the amount of talent they lose but north carolina if the playoff were to start this year like they would be in contention for sure for a top 12 spot right Mm -hmm. like even in my scenario of them winning nine or 10 games, they're going, they would be in the mix if mm-hmm. the 12 team playoff was ready this year, right now. Um, you know, Miami, Miami's the one that stands out to me in the ACC because 
outside of Clemson, I mean, Florida State, I guess, is the other one. They're kind of early in a rebuild still. But Miami's got to make that happen with Manny Diaz by the time this thing rolls around. They're saying, like, maybe 2023 is the first time we could see it. And if that's the case, I mean, that would be going into, what, year five of Manny Diaz? Year six, maybe even? Like, show up or show out at that point. Mike, when, uh, when's the last time Miami finished finished the season in the top 10? Oh, 15 years? Over. 2003, Larry Coker's Miami Hurricanes, their last year in the Big East, won the Orange Bowl and finished fifth in the country. Since then, 2004, they finished 11th. Five, they finished 18th. 2009, 19th. 16, 23rd. 2017, 11th, 2020, 22nd. Those are the entirety of their top 25 finishes since 2003. Hey, that 2017 year, that 2017 year would have gotten them in. You are correct. They they should be there. And I am not going to pass up an opportunity to dunk on Miami here a little bit. They should Uh be there. And yet they haven't really been particularly close since about 2004. Like, hey, didn't say they would be. Said they should be. Yeah, that, that is. An important distinction here to make. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm not going to disagree with you on slandering Miami. I'm, I'll board that train any day. Not going to stick up for Miami, Mike. That's that's surprising. You love Miami. It's a it's a shocking turn of events. We love Miami. Anyways. Um, yeah, between them and North Carolina, I mean, we're going to get into it here soon when we start previewing the season. But, like, I, I was thinking about it a little bit earlier. It, it would take something ridiculous to me for for either North Carolina or Miami not to win the Coastal. I agree. Like, and I've, I've, by the way, I've been kind of beating the drum a little bit for Pittsburgh could easily be a nine-win team. The, the three <laughs> losses are going to be in conference. Like, they're not going to win the Coastal, I don't think. I think it's more a factor of their, their out-of-conference sets up for a potential 4-0 run and that, that whole thing. Yeah. Like, it's it's North Carolina, Miami, and then a big gap, and then everybody else. Uh, with the exception, by the way, I will tell you, by the way, I, I was talking to somebody earlier this week, and I said, you know what? I want you to just you, – you're going to have to go into the, the, the magic machine here for a second, but let me just talk – just imagine a scenario where Georgia Tech somehow, some way, ends up 9-3 and three this season. That probably means Jameer Gibbs is winning the Heisman. Yes, because he's going to have to score agree. about twenty-five touchdowns this year to make that happen. Like, I would agree. So, I would agree. Um, maybe. Hey, look, if, if if Pitko if Pitko is nine and three, and they're five and three in conference play, Duke's Mayo Bowl, baby. Dude, put Pitt in. I don't know the Mayo Bowl. Uh, yeah, Hell yeah, yeah, Pitt in the Mayo Bowl, and that that is uh, a match made in heaven, if I do say so myself. Yes. Um. I I think in general, I mean, again, we're talking about this year with Miami and North Carolina. I mean, as I, I don't know if Satterfield sticks around at Louisville, if somehow this Collins thing starts to work out at Georgia Tech, if Fuente starts to work out at Virginia Tech or they switch there, someone else starts to work there. Like, yeah, it's there are programs in the ACC that are very it's very viable for them to ascend to that like fringy top 10 maybe back into the top 10 level on any given season. And like, honestly, like it, we we've, we've kind of poo pooed the idea for years that anybody other than Clemson was going to make the playoff. 
But moving forward, if you've got an extra eight spots, you know, minus another conference champion, minus a, a, a G5 champion, so you've got six spots or so, I think it's reasonable to expect that most years, if not all of them, there's one more ACC team in there somewhere. Yes, and the other element of this, in my mind, too, is the fact that the ACC, at least in recent years, has a tendency to be really top-heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically like Clemson's penciled in at like, you know, one to five odds <laughs> to win the conference, and everybody else is like plus 800, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that Clemson's going to win the conference year over year. But I think that helps the ACC if that were – to continue to a degree, because if you have a team, NC State this past year is a decent example where if they don't have the quarterback injuries and they kind of put things together a little bit earlier in the year, you can have a team kind of come out of nowhere, stuff up and win 10 games, end up in the top 15 and have a fringe opportunity to get into that top 12 for the playoff. Mm -hmm. Um, That can happen easily in the ACC with some random team because you can rack up some wins in conference play against teams that aren't necessarily very good. Um, and they just say, okay, well, see ACC, you know, it's respected enough. I mean, we've seen that, you know, we've seen teams artificially kind of get a bump because they're rolling through ACC play. My school happens to be one of those teams where you see a number of by Virginia Tech's names some years and you're like, they are not the 10th best team in the country. They are not the 12th best team in the country, but they have a good conference record. So they just start racking up wins and you end up in a scenario where you can get an ACC team that you're not necessarily expecting jump up and end up in the conversation. Uh, Yeah, it's, it's, it's all possible, Mike. And it's, it's exciting to think that there's more than just Clemson fans that have a reason to be excited about, you know, what could potentially happen at the end of the season. And, in that, in a nutshell, is kind of a lot of the reason I think that this is kind of coming about, right? Is is what we've I think we've talked a little bit about on this podcast, but but the way that the the, the playoff has kind of set up, and the way that it's kind of resulted in recruits funneling themselves to one of about six programs in the country, and the way that it's been emphasized by ESPN and all this stuff, like. I mean, there's a huge portion of the country whose teams are eliminated from the playoff by like mid-October, and everyone's checking out. It's like, well, we're not going to win the national title, so bad for the sport. Who cares? It's bad for the sport. I mean, yeah. In the BCS era, the issue was, okay, well, the number three team's getting screwed, and now it's like, oh, the number five team's getting screwed. Nobody's going to say the number thirteen team is getting screwed here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you're not one of the 12 best teams in the country and you don't make the playoff, that's your own damn fault. You lost two games at least, right? Like, I mean, I, I remember. Point, I remember about 10 years ago, after the NCAA basketball tournament expanded to 68 teams, watching Dickie V like go on a tirade on the selection show that like Mount St. Mary's didn't make the tournament, and he was probably right with all that they were explaining, but also. They, there were sixty-eight teams that made the tournament, Mike. Like, yeah. at some point, who cares? Like, they're not yeah. going to the national title. It's, it's fine. Like, yeah, yeah. And this is all about access. This is not going to dictate and shift the course of college football from the standpoint of you're going to have like a twelve seed win the title. Never going to happen. Yeah, I'd be willing to bet you're never going to have a six seed win the title. 
the only reason I say a five seed could potentially win it is because we've seen some years where like a five seed a couple years ago, what was it? 2018 or 19 with Alabama when they were left out, mm-hmm. like that would be a five seed that could win the title. So I'll, I'll say that that, that possibility is out there. Um, but more often than not, we know who the top three teams are all year long. Yeah. And one of those three or four teams is going to win the national championship. And more often than not, we've had, the you know the one seed go against the four seed the four seed gets freaking trounced whether it's Notre Dame or Washington or Ohio State or you know we've seen that multiple times right I, I think then, I heard the other day that the the last five years the average margin of victory in the semifinal is like twenty points or something yeah I mean it's it's not close it's rare to get good semifinal games and even in the two three game last year um, between Clemson and Ohio State that game sucked. Like Clemson got run out of the stadium, you know, fields through six touchdown passes. I mean, Ohio State was clearly the better team. You and I were both very wrong about that, by the way. Mm-hmm. We were very wrong. Um, Great game. Ohio, Ohio State, State. Well, you know, playing five games or whatever it was, it was hard to get a real gauge. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, they were very good. But and, who's counting? But who's counting? Uh, it's COVID. It's fine. Whatever. Um, I mean, COVID's not fine. This season's fine. Whatever. The... Um, Ohio State was one of those teams last year that was supposed to be one of the best teams in college football going into the year. And then COVID happened. They didn't play till November. The semifinal wasn't close. So you're always going to have the best team in the country or at least one of the couple, you know, two to three best teams in the country win the national title. But what you're getting now, Joey, and I haven't heard this aspect of it discussed in this format yet, I think as people are too in the weeds on the seeding and stuff like that, is – this is huge for recruiting for the group of five. This is gigantic for recruiting, in my opinion. You're going to get so many more talented kids now have the intrigue of going to a group of five school, even more so than you already do. I mean, we know kids go to Cincinnati and Boise and, um, you know, Coastal is kind of an aberration, but you're seeing kids in Memphis like, you know, kids are going to some of these group of five schools and they're going to be playing really good football, but it opens the door for a school like Coastal Carolina, who was kind of like the darling of college football last year and kind of popped up in a weird year with COVID to now kind of build on that momentum, right? Mm-hmm. If they're able to have a really good year, now all of a sudden you're attracting some bigger recruits because you're not just going there to play in like the Boca Raton Bowl, you know, when you win 10 games. You can win 10 games now and end up in a playoff and play like Oklahoma, you know, in a big time game, you know, on the road in Norman, mm-hmm. you know, to open up the college football playoff. That's going to be intriguing to some of these kids. And a reason why a lot of these kids, you know, they, they spurn the power five to go to the group of five is, you know, you get the playing time, right? But then you have the opportunity to still play big time college football against some really good teams. You're going to have that and they'll add the playoff element to it. I think it's going to be really good for recruiting for the group of five. I think they'll be able to attract some more talented kids. I, I think that'll help them. But in my mind, and, and it's maybe it's a little bit idealistic, is like it also helps the likes of Penn State and Oregon and USC and Michigan and Texas A&M. You know, some, some of these programs that are capable of recruiting at a very high level that haven't quite gotten in there you know and, and in the ACC again that's probably Florida State it's probably Miami the way that North Carolina is going it's probably them you know like 
these programs that aren't aren't going to almost ever pull a top five class, but can pull like a top ten, maybe top fifteen class almost year over year. And at that point, you know, if if you can just bump it up by a player or two, and and that means pulling a player or two away from higher schools, you know, again, it's that access that makes I think it makes it a much more attractive recruiting pitch, and introduces. Just a little bit more parity. Again, I don't think it'll make a huge difference. It's probably still Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Georgia, LSU, Clemson. You know, take right. your pick. Like it's it's those same programs every year, most likely. But we can believe that it'll be others. I guess that that's the takeaway. What's your opinion on the uh, Notre Dame element to this? So Notre Dame is not eligible since they are not in a conference. Right, they're not eligible to be seated higher than fifth. I don't know. I I don't know. So Jack Swarbrick, their athletic director was on the committee that was, you know, talking about revision for this. Like he's part of that group and he was obviously okay with it. And the reason why he's okay with it is because as a five seed, you know, say Notre Dame is one of the four best teams in the country, but they can't be higher seed than five because they're not a conference champion. Mm -hmm. Um, They're still going to host a playoff game. Yeah. So that's extra revenue in South Bend, right? So he's not going to say no to that. All about but the, the way I look at, yeah, I know. The Benjamin NBC contract wasn't enough for them. NBC <laughs> contract, TV money, you know, God country money, Notre Dame. Um, in that order, yeah, in pretty much in that order. Um, the thing about this for me is that I think it actually hampers. And a lot of people are going to disagree with this because Notre Dame has been blown out in some playoff games recently. But I think it hampers the competitive balance of the playoff to a degree. If Notre Dame, and this is an element that's not talked about either. This is a, you have my Dame, attention. Go ahead. If Notre Dame goes 12 and 0, Joey, mm-hmm. and you look at them against the schedule they play, and you know, say they got say they drew Clemson again, right? And you know, their ACC round robin that they get. Say they drew Clemson in one of the five or six games that they have in the ACC. Say they beat Clemson, right, and they win the rest of their games. They beat a Michigan or Michigan State or, you know, Michigan State when they're good. They haven't been good recently. Michigan hasn't even been that good recently. But say they beat, you know, some of these teams on their schedule that, you know, would boost their ranking. You'd be like, okay, that's a really good win. Um, 2012, they they beat Oklahoma and Norman. That was a huge win. Like, say they, they win a game like that on the schedule. They go undefeated, run the table, 12-0, and 0, don't, obviously don't play in a conference championship game. But you look at them and you're like, they're clearly one of the three or four best games in the country. Why are they seeded fifth? It's, I mean, it's a valid question. It's a, that, That's probably the one element of all of it that I don't love is that the top four seeds are specifically reserved for conference champions. Right. And, and I, I appreciate the importance of winning your conference championship. Like it, as much as I love every minute watching, you know, I, I will go watch a hundred times watching Tua Tungavailoa throw a, a 41 yard touchdown pass to Devonte Smith on second and 26 in the national title freshman to, watch, Smith. to watch. Yeah. Freshman Devonte Smith watching Alabama beat Georgia to win the national title, meaning Georgia didn't win the national title. I love watching that. And yet, there's a little, little element there of it that really will inherently kind of stick in my craw, Mike. It's that 
Alabama didn't even win their division that year. Like, yeah, it it bugs me that you can be the national championship, you, you can be the national champion, but not your conference champion. So that right. that bugs me. So I, I want to emphasize a conference championship, but at the same time, if we're guaranteeing that all the conference champions get in, and then you have an at large who just, I mean, it seems like they're the third best team in the country or whatever. Well, then give them the three seed. Like, yeah, as long as the champions get in and can prove it on the field, fine, go for it. Right. I don't need to reserve those top four spots specifically for the four best winners of conference championship games. Right. I agree. So I agree with that. And, you know, some people are going to listen to this and say, oh, Mike, the Notre Dame fan, you know, he thinks that's unfair. I, I Truthfully, I don't give a shit. Right. Like, <laughs> I don't I don't care if they're in a conference or not. I, I don't care. Like people are like, oh, you know, Notre Dame's getting screwed. You know, we got to force them to join a conference. I don't care. I don't care about any of that. Right. That's all conspiracy theory stuff. I don't. I don't believe any of it. And the reason why I don't believe any of it is because Jack Swarbrick, the freaking athletic director was on the committee, you know, helping pull the trigger here. Like he's obviously going to be okay with the decision. You know, people saying that this is to screw Notre Dame and like, they're not going to be happy about this. Didn't do their research. Right. Mm -hmm. Like they are going to, they are okay with this format because they get that extra money in South Bend. Now, I don't care if they're in a conference or not, if they're a conference champion. I don't even care, honestly, if they're the five seed. I think it's kind of crap for the 12 seed that now has to play one of the two best teams in the country as the five seed. I think that's crap. Mm-hmm. I don't think that helps anybody. I, I don't think it helps the integrity of the playoff. And, you know, there's going to be some years where, you know, Notre Dame is obviously not the second best team in the country and being the five seed, and that's only going to happen every so often. But, I think in general, Joey, I think this is just getting overcomplicated with how they kind of laid this out. And I hope before they, you know, before they kind of refine and finalize this, they tweak a few things and Notre Dame being no higher than a five seed, especially with how they've recruited in recent years and how they've played in recent years. I think they're closing the gap a bit. Um, People don't want to believe that because it's always fun to dunk on Notre Dame. But Notre Dame surprised both you and I with the way they played against Alabama in the semifinal last year. Mm-hmm. You and I were looking at that. We're like, they are not getting boat raced. Like, this is an historic Alabama team, and they hung around for a little while. And it's like, okay, they didn't get absolutely pooped on from the opening kickoff like we're so used to Notre Dame doing, right, in these semifinal yeah. games. Um but in general, I mean, I think you just have the conference championship for access, Joey, right? You say, okay, you won your conference championship, you're in the field. You know, the loser, if they're good enough, if they're a one-loss conference champion or two-loss conference champion, whatever, if they're good enough for an at-large bid, they get an at-large bid. But just use these qualifiers to get the field set and then reseed from there. Why is that so difficult? And then we can all just get mad about the seeding. It's just something else for everybody to get mad about. It's more eyes on college football. I don't understand why they just don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, get your at-large teams, get your conference champions. And then once you have that field of 12, seed them from there. Yep. What's what's so hard about that? I, I tend to agree. Uh, one, one last little caveat that I would add is with the automatic qualifying conference championship thing, one, one little caveat I would add is that they need to be a conference champion who's ranked better than, I don't know, 20th. 
like <laughs> pick some number that's like a, a baseline because Mike, what I don't need, I don't need eight and four Yukon in the Fiesta Bowl. Like that happened before because they won the Big East. And it's like, okay, but hang on. Listen, like listen. Th- that is a garbage football team. Like Listen, I'm fine with that, but we gotta seed them twelve. No. We do. Because no, that's just because gonna be your blow. That's a waste of everybody's time. Just if if they're not ranked at least, I don't know, twentieth, sixteenth, whatever, then just make it another at large spot. Like listen, you don't listen. qualify. Just because you won a conversation like if what what like a few years ago, if nine and three Florida had somehow pulled out a miracle against I don't know, whatever Bama or Auburn or whoever it was that year, like they weren't that good. Like I don't need to see that team in the playoff. I so I agree with you from the standpoint of the conference championships are important, but you don't want to put so much emphasis on one singular game because then you end up with eight and five Pittsburgh being the conference champion or something like yeah. something weird happens. I get that Fun team but, shouldn't be in the playoff, but see, I think you just stick them in, have them be the 12 seed, and have them lose to some five seed at large by three touchdowns. That's fine. The 12 seed's never winning the title anyway. Who cares? Put them in there. Put them in there. Let them get boat raced. Gives a shit. I care because because whoever was actually ranked 12th and got left out of the playoff would have given the five seed a better game than Pittsburgh would have. That's why I care. And that would have been better TV. It would have been more fun to watch. That's that's all. (laughs) You sure Randy Edsel led UConn wouldn't give five seed a run for their money? Uh, well, I, my whole thing is like if you're a 12 seed and you lost like three games in the SEC, like that that's the real conversation. You're gonna have a three loss SEC team that's sitting there like 11 or 12. Realistically, they're like the 11th or 12th best team in the country. They're gonna get left out for some conference champion that's not very good. I sure. get that. Sure, I get it. But you also have to reward. I mean, they're towing a line here, Joey, where they gotta. They do have to reward a conference championship some way. In my opinion, is to give them the access into the field and then reseed. You need to reseed. Like that's that's the part that's driving me insane. Seed them once you have the field set, or else you're gonna have some ridiculously stupid matchups. You're gonna look at it, you're gonna be like, that doesn't make any sense. They are not actually the seventh best team in the country. They're not actually the fifth best team in the country. They're not act, you know, you're gonna have competitions. Save me all that BS and just get the field, get the access set, get the rules for access, and then seed from there. It's so simple. I don't understand why they need to be like, oh, highest ranked conference champion goes here. Oh, Notre Dame, they didn't win their conference, so they're fifth. We could end up with, we could end up with a, I'm trying to think of like the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is the weakest power five conference right now, I would say. Yep. Because the Big 12's got Oklahoma. I mean, are we are we good with that? Saying that the best team in the Pac-12 right now is probably Oregon. Yep. And they're good for two to three losses a year right yep. now. I'll sign off on that. Yep. Right. So here's my thing. Right. We're just going to say that Oregon, because they're Oregon and they just went, I don't know, ten, let's say ten and two. Right. They're the fourth best team in the country. But then you have like. I don't know, two loss Florida or something like that, seeded fifth, and you know that Florida's going to go into a matchup with Oregon and beat the brakes off them. Like, I don't know, just reseed. Like, 
yeah. two loss Florida that didn't win their conference could be better than two loss Oregon that won the Pac-12, which I guess is the point you're trying to make. But my whole thing is like, you need to just reseed. Yeah. Like, I, I just it blows my mind. I'm uh, reading all yeah. the qualifications. And it just drives me crazy. I mean, you're saying reseed, but I think that the easier thing to do is, you know, take take the top twelve. If one of your conference champions isn't in there, then kick out the twelve seed and bring yeah. in that other conference champion and there's your order right like even if yeah. you know the three seed ohio state didn't win their conference like well they're still the third best team so they get to buy like right so yeah i think we're on the same page there of don't don't just make it a requirement to win your conference to get that buy i, I think i can agree with that yeah make it important but don't make it so important that you're screwing some better teams yep absolutely i don't know Mike, anything else in the playoff? Good thing, bad thing? No, it's good. I mean, net positive for college football, more meaningful games across the board, more eyes on the TV for games in October and November for like one and two lost teams that otherwise, I mean, diehards would watch. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the fan bases will be more invested too, especially if you get like a two-loss SEC team that feels like, you know, they got screwed by a holding call against Alabama or something. like. Yep. We're actually better than our two losses. We're actually, but you know, fan bases are going to be the diehards will be invested for yeah. sure. I, I I still don't think I would have minded. I might have preferred an eight team instead of a twelve. Me team, too. But I think me too. I think there's a lot of positives to be taken from a twelve team model. That honestly, with a sixteen team model, I would have I would have been really frustrated with. I think so. The the twelve team model guarantees at least one group of five team, maybe two. Mm-hmm. The eight team doesn't always even guarantee one, right? Yeah. And that's I think why they went to twelve. Unless it was I cooked into the rules. Board overall. Yeah. So. All right. Well, there you go. There's forty five minutes of talk on the uh, the college football playoff expansion uh, and a little bit of it how it relates to the ACC, but. Um, Hopefully you enjoyed that. Mike, as mentioned, this is our season finale for season five. Um, it is. I don't really know when we started doing season finales and season kickoffs. I think it was around the time we switched to Anchor and they gave us the ability to dictate which season and episode each episode was. But uh, looking back, last season, you know, so this past season, season five, started around the time that we started doing uh, season preview episodes, all the teams. Going through the fall, all this, would you say you have had fun with this season? You have enjoyed it? or I've enjoyed not? it. I would say enjoyed it, I, well, minus the COVID part. Yeah, we say, still had football. There was still football, yes. Yeah. I, I, You know, yeah. Relative to the other seasons, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know how much I've enjoyed it. Like... All, all the COVID, you know, the, the like we'd record the preview episode and then the game was canceled Saturday morning and all that crap. Like, yeah, that was exhausting and frustrating and, you know, it became a lot. Um, so there, there was a lot of it. And again, this is looking way back like six, seven, eight months ago. So, you know, what we what little we've done in the, the last six or so months, you know, I, I've enjoyed and I think it's been fun and. Obviously, I mean, if if the worst part of my day is getting on here and and talking about college football with you, I've had a pretty good day. Um, Hell yeah. You know, so I I don't want to dump on it too much, but just reflecting back, like relative to other college football seasons, I would say this one was at minimum pretty frustrating. We will not have a more frustrating season than the one we just had. 
God willing. Um, let's not do that again. Yeah, please no, please no. Yeah. Um, so at at that, let's let's put the season to bed, and uh, we're about done here, Mike. Year six, we're on to year six. Um, on to year six. We're going to be hustling back half of July. Yes, we are. We're going to be hustling. We're yeah. going to be really hot. We're going to have to start reaching out to people soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I get married in about a week and a half. You do? I I do. What? You're all, you're going to be there, right? I tell, I, well, that was my plan. Tell tell me more, Mike. So you're you're getting married here, and we said nine days or so from when yeah. this gets published. Yep. Um, I, I will be there. Um, it, it's going to yes. be an interesting little trip for, for me. So I, I started a new job here a few weeks ago. Um, it's a Sunday wedding and, uh, I, I'm flying in and out of BWI for those unfamiliar. That is the Baltimore Washington international airport. Uh, it's about 45 minutes to an hour ish away from, from where you get married. Um, I, my, my flight home because it's a Sunday wedding, my flight home, I think, leaves BWI at 6.35 a.m. on Monday morning, I believe it is. <laughs> so we'll see what that flight looks like. <laughs> Thankfully, we'll not have a two-year-old in tow with me. So that'll make it more workable. But the logistics going to be a little a little shaky. Maggie's going to have to shake you awake, buddy. Yes. Yeah. There, you know, and, and for those who don't know me, I am hardcore, not a morning person. And I feel like there, there's, there's two types of not morning people. There's, there's a type like my sister who, if you like attempt to talk to them before 9am, like they might fight you. Right. There's others like me that if you try to talk to me before 9am, I, I might get lost trying to process whatever it was you said to me. And just, it looks like I'm ignoring you, but I just, my brain isn't working yet. Like it's just, yeah, it's kind of, I'm staring off into space. Like nothing's happening. So that's probably what's happening at about, I don't know, five in the morning on Monday after your wedding. Uh, so I'm going to, yep. I want to drink and I want to celebrate, but also like I got to drive the next morning. It's going to be a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That sounds horrible. Yeah. It's going to be fun. You're uh, working Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Flight gets in to Houston. I think about nine thirty, ten o'clock by the time I get home, it'd be about 11 and that's where I've got my calendar blocked off till. So we'll, uh, we'll start working after that. Oh, when do you start working after your wedding? Middle of July. <laughs> um, it looked like your new brother-in-law, Scott spent like, like a, a year and a half in St. Martin. Are you like doing the same thing? Yeah, we're doing so we're doing ten days in Maui. Greatest so place cool. on earth. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. Um, yeah, but we leave two days after the wedding to head out to California, and then we go to Maui from there on the Wednesday, uh, Wednesday the thirtieth. So you're in, like you're in LA for a day or so. Uh, San Francisco. Oh, interesting. Doing Napa, Napa for the day. Be good. <sighs> oh. All right, you got this all planned out. Yeah, we're going to sneak that in. And then we're going to go to Maui for 10 days. By the time I get back, it'll be middle of July, which brings me back to my first point. We are going to be hustling on the season previews. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a a good 
time away from the wheel at what is starting to... It's kind of the early part of crunch time. There, there's definitely a time to make up for, for lost progress, but... Um, but yeah, that'll, we're going to have to hit the, hit the, hit the ground running there whenever you get back. Yeah. So you're probably not going to hear from us for about a month. Yeah. We'll see about that. Yeah. We, we do have big plans. We'll say there's, there's some stuff in the works. It should be a, a an interesting groundbreaking season where we'll see how that goes. Um, Mike, I was going to ask you before we get off of here, you're, you're an Airbnb guy, right? Oh yeah. Own the stock. Yeah. I'll do. Yeah. Of yes. course. Naturally. Oh, yeah. Um, like using Airbnb elsewhere, do you, do you, how do you feel about Airbnbs where it's like somebody renting out their basement or somebody renting out the room upstairs in their house that nobody uses? Um, it probably boosts my stock price, but I wouldn't <laughs> personally do it. I don't sure. know. I don't know. Yeah. I've never done it. I was going to say, this, this is the other thing in planning for your wedding that I ran into was, first of all, I'm a procrastinator, so I waited way too late to book, you know, lodging. But the area that you're in, it's interesting where the wedding is happening. It's kind of in this coastal, like, resort village area. And it was interesting to me because, like, that's one of the very few areas I've ever looked in terms of vacation where there's, like, not a single, like, chain hotel. There's no Marriott. There's no Holiday Inn. There's no, you know, Hyatt or whatever else. Um, and and so, like, the closest one was, like, 45 minutes away. And I was like, well, let's check the Airbnbs. And I was like, oh, we found one, like, 25 minutes away. And it was like this is a, a nice little apartment that has a private entrance and all this. And then you realize it's like somebody's basement. And I was like, mm, I don't know about that. So I was just wondering if that was the same decision you would have made or uh, if I was off, off base there. You'll be sleeping with your gun. Yeah. 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 Be uh, strategically placing myself between the wife and the door and yeah, sleeping with one eye open and yeah, the whole thing. Trapped. So anyways, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I will see you at your wedding here in, yeah, a little over a week. Uh, it, it will be very fun. Uh, you will get to meet my wife. I'll get to meet your cool. wife. That'll be cool. That will be cool. Um, I'll get to see all the boys in the bachelor party again. That'll be fun. I think I've actually... Yeah, oh, yes, it will. I think I've only seen... Well, Maggie pops up from time to time, you know, behind you. Um, I think I've only talked to Maggie like twice and it's when you guys were drinking on vacation and we were in the middle of recording and she just kind of stumbled in there. She was, I think it's the only two times I've actually like talked to her, but she's in the picture every now and then when we're recording. I was going to say that, that sounds nothing like us except for the part where all of it, all of that (laughs) sounds exactly like us. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. She's looking forward to it. Hopefully, you're looking forward to it. I am. Um, hopefully, for your your bride to be, we don't like ruin the wedding with shenanigans. Um, but I, I, I'm very excited. So I, I will I I will tell the people I I tried to get this on the schedule, but Mike, you and I are not going to be able to record an episode from the altar mid no. mid wedding. No, it would have been funny. It would have. Yeah. Um, that's a that's an adjective for it. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the bride-to-be was not going to go for that one, no. unfortunately. But, you know, it is what it is. It would have been... Um, I mean, you guys heard the Bachelor Party episodes. <laughs> we'll leave that there. And if you didn't, you know, maybe just 
just leave it in your imagination. That's all you need. Yeah. Or just go back a few episodes, hit play, <laughs> make sure your kids aren't around. Gosh, that'll be uh, almost four months from the uh, the actual wedding. So yeah, that was yeah. Uh, that was a fun time. Anyways, yeah, it was. Mike, that's all I got. Anything else here? I think we're good. I'll talk to you in a month. This is a well, nice... I'll, I'll talk to you very soon. Yeah, I'll talk, talk to everybody else in a month. Talk to me in like a week. Everybody else in about a month. Um, yeah, this. Yeah. I think this officially puts a bow on season five. And by the way, the the last thing I was going to bring up, which we discussed a little bit earlier. Um, the very, very first episode of this here podcast that we recorded was less than a week, I think, after I got married. So this is a nice little, uh, you know, coming full circle moment of uh, after five full years of recording, now you get married. Oh, yeah. And five years from now, Charlie's not going to be ready to get married. So um, somebody will. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. He'd be ready in Indian culture. Maybe Scott. Then. Maybe Scott will be on his second marriage by then. We'll see. Hope not. <laughs> All right. Well, Mike, I think that does it for season five. On that yep. note. <laughs> Shout out, Scott. Uh, let's let's get out of here. We're gonna hang out at your wedding. We're not gonna record there, but we're gonna come back and kick off season six with some uh, some big content coming your way. So keep it tuned here. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel SOS, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. You can send us an email to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. We do have a lot of team previews and such coming in, so if there's a team that you're wondering about, if you've got a question here or there that you want to ask us or our you know, presumed illustrious guests about, send it on in. Hit us up. Uh, You can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Breaker, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free. And Mike, you want to tell them where they can find us on the social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there, Joey. Please do. Please do. And of course, as we, as we embark on this new season, share us with your friends, please. I, I, you know, it's, we always want to find more people that love ACC football for what it is. Um, And, and there are plenty of them. And I think there's, more you know more and more of them that don't listen to this podcast so uh people that you think would enjoy it go ahead and uh share us we'd, we'd love to have them part of the family yep absolutely mike that's all i got you want to go get married not to me oh yeah you're gonna do that you specifically get married to somebody else and i will be <laughs> there to witness that marriage it sounded weird when i said it that way it was uh that that would be something yeah that would be <laughs> That would be a surprise to everybody, I think. Gives a, uh, a different meeting to basketball conference conference. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that would be that'd be quite the second summit, I would say that. How about this? You want to come back and restart and, and uh, start season six? Yeah, start season six. Yep. There we go. All right. Well, until next time, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon in season six. And until next time, go ACC. Some other beginnings end.